Hey, this is Seath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode number 10. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the podcast. I launched the RV Entrepreneur to be a resource for anyone who is working to create a remote income while traveling full-time. In each episode, I sit down and interview people who live, work, and travel full-time in RVs as they run their businesses from all over the country and sometimes the world. And I have to admit uh, something a little bit embarrassing before going into today's episode. Up until a couple nights ago, I had never seen the movie RV. I've lived in an RV for two years, traveled all over the country one, talk about them literally all the time, tell all my friends about how cool living in an RV is and traveling. And I even freaking host a podcast called The RV Entrepreneur. And yet I had never seen the famous RV movie with Robin Williams. People have been telling me that I should watch it for forever. And finally, a friend of ours heard that we had never watched it. So they sat me down and forced me to watch it a couple nights ago. And I have to admit, I was cracking up like a fool the whole time. I thought it was hilarious. If you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend it. I definitely recommend it. But it also made me wonder, is that what most people think of the RV world? A bunch of hippie-like people who sing folk songs in an RV and travel around the country? Not that there's anything wrong with folk songs. But it's strange because I've seen a totally different world. Uh, Again, I guess it's been over the past few years as technology has been rapidly changing. People can work for anywhere. And obviously, I know that RV is a movie, not real life. But so many of the people who we've met who live in RVs in their 20s, 30s, or 40s are the opposite how are they are portrayed in the movie and probably opposite of how many people look at people who live in RVs. The the people we've met are very tech savvy into building businesses and coming up with new and exciting ideas. And my guest today on the podcast is no exception. His name is Kevin Halesh, and he's an iPhone app developer whose latest app called Moment has been downloaded over 2.5 million times. In our conversation today, we talk about just how addicted our generation has become to our iPhones, how he's trying to fix that issue with his app called Moment, and how we also talk about the 10 apps he's launched before that never really took off. Kevin is also 26 years old, a year older than myself, and him and his wife, Mandy, live in their fifth wheel full-time, and I'm pumped for you to hear our interview Let's get right into it. Let's go. All right. So I am here with Kevin Halesh, and we are actually in a campground in Hot Springs National Park in Arkansas. And this is only the second interview that I've done in person like this. It's only been Alyssa. So this is pretty cool. We don't have to worry about Wi-Fi issues or anything like that. Exactly. (laughs) It's a privilege. Yeah. And I want to tell you the story about how I met Kevin, but first I want to give you a little bit of introduction. Kevin is a developer, and he created an app called The Moment App, which is an iOS app that automatically tracks how much you use your iPhone and iPad each day, and it's currently being downloaded something like over 100,000 times per month. It's crazy. And if you're using your phone too much, you can set daily limits on yourself and be notified when you go over. You can even force yourself off your device when you're over your limit. It's been featured on Good Morning America, New York Times, TechCrunch, BuzzFeed, USA Today, Fast Company, Men's Journal, Huffington Post. Should I keep going, Kevin? You don't have to. Okay. (laughs) NPR, BBC, Fox and Friends, Morning Show, Forbes, but a lot, a lot more. And the slogan of the app is to put down your phone and get back to your life. And as of last May, it had tracked over 1.35 1.35 billion mo- minutes tracked with mo- phone use. Yeah. Yeah. Phone use. And it's probably much higher now. It is. I haven't looked because that calculation takes way too long in the database, <laughs> but it's got to be like five or six. It's a really now. cool vanity metric, right? Yes, it is. Totally. <laughs> I it calculated it was like, I don't know, 4,000 years of phone use or something. Like oh if my one gosh. person was using their phone for four 
thousand years straight. <laughs> yeah, and and Kevin's also launched several other apps like Move, Tog, and Focus. Building and improving on his iPhone apps has become y'all's biggest income mm-hmm. uh, over the past couple years. And he travels with Mandy, his wife, who is mm-hmm. taking a hike right now with Alyssa. And mm-hmm. Mandy is a wedding photographer. So that yep. both of y'all's income kind of combined for you yep, guys to exactly. travel in an RV. So the first question I want to get started with was what you're doing with iPhone apps. People would probably expect you to be living in a city like Austin, Silicon Valley, somewhere, you know, innovative and techie, but you're living in a fifth wheel. What the heck? <laughs> totally. I mean, my whole career's pretty much just been me and a laptop. Pittsburgh's sort of up and coming in the tech scene, but it's certainly not Austin or Silicon Valley or anything. But I, I sort of approach the, the apps I do a little differently than that mentality, like I don't want to raise a bunch of money and then get a billion users and then sell it. I'm sort of more into like lifestyle app business, if you can call it that, where it's just like it supports me and my family and I get to work on what I want to. So I'm kind of focused on that, not so much the like venture capital side. Yeah. Was that the intention all along? Sort of. So I've had a couple like sort of venture funded, like seed funded um, apps. And it just I didn't like the environment. It was too like high pressure. Like we got to do this. We got to do this. And I like to sort of, I guess, be my own boss and just take the product where I want to take it. Not be worried about metrics other than like fun ones, like how much people are using. Yeah. How many billions of minutes you're at. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, if if you want to, I'll link up in the show notes, but BuzzFeed did a really awesome video over yeah, the did. Moment app last year, and it got over a million views, and it was basically BuzzFeed employees talking about what they thought, how, mon- how many minutes they thought they were using their phone per day, yep. and then actually how many minutes they were using it per day. Yep, exactly. And that's that's how Kevin and I met, and I downloaded the Moment app. I don't even know where I heard of it. I heard of it somewhere, yeah. and I downloaded it. And I was using it for a little while, and I don't normally reach out to app developer. I think mm-hmm. you're the only app developer I've ever reached out to. Yeah. And I basically was like, dude, you you made this app for me. It's been so helpful for me mm-hmm. to just look at these stats, and I want to be more intentional about not using my phone and mm-hmm. just hanging out with Alyssa and having quality time. Do you get a lot of emails like that? A decent amount. But yours, like, stuck out because you were, like, super nice. You're like, oh, this app is, like, exactly <laughs> what I need. And then I, you had, like, uh, your, your website and your signature. And it was like when Mandy and I were talking about uh, moving into a fifth wheel and driving around and I found your blog probably like, I don't know, six or eight months ago. And it was right when we were looking at fifth wheels to buy. Mm. And I just like saved all of your articles like in a <laughs> row, like your whole archives. I just instapapered it and then read it straight like a book. Like I pretty much read your blog. That's in awesome. one sitting, And I was like, this is cool. So we emailed a little bit back and forth and uh, eventually met up here. Yeah. Or we, we met, met up in Austin. Austin. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though. It's just crazy how people can meet up. You know, mm-hmm. people ask, how how do you meet friends and things like that on the road? Well, you download random apps and then you email the app developer and <laughs> totally. you become good friends. And he does the same thing. He travels the country <laughs> just like you. It happens every day. Yeah, that is awesome. Going into building and launching iPhone apps, obviously the first step for anybody who's trying to do this is learning the programming language. But did you launch apps before in the moment? You mentioned that you did have some projects. Uh, were those successful apps? Mm-hmm. And tell me about those. Uh, totally. So you mentioned a few. I had a few iPhone apps before that. But before that was even, uh, I was more of a web developer. So I made websites for people. And then when the iPhone came out, I sort of moved into app development as that kind of got popular. Yeah, Moment is probably, if I had to total up all the websites that I've made just for myself, even trying to make them business, it was probably like 10 or 11. So it's like my 10th try at making a go of it. And it was the one that really caught on, but it was a lot of other apps that didn't make it quite. Yeah. 
So, I mean, some not successful at all. Some, you know, made a couple thousand bucks, but, you know, usually none of them made money until moment. So that was definitely my big break if you could call it that i mean obviously the app market is very saturated there's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there making apps and you probably have a lot of friends who are making apps mm-hmm. is it common to be able to launch an app and then that's your sole income no so <laughs> i was like super lucky with moment there was not lucky you lu- you launched 10 apps luck- before well okay lucky might be the wrong word but like in the right place at the right time i guess um there wasn't an app like moment that came out and i think and there's still really not on iphones there's a couple on android but it's it's a unique app that has like a very broad appeal most i'd have to say in my life at least 95 percent of the people with smartphones use it too much like including my parents and even like my grandparents they're checking email checking news or whatever i've I've noticed that that generation i think is even worse yeah because i love my parents they're great and i love my grandparents but hanging around with them they do what i call double screening and it annoys me and and i don't think it's really a term yet but i call it double screening where they've got the tv going in the background and then they've got their iphone or their ipad in front of the screen and i'm Mm -hmm. like you're are you watching tv are you playing a game on your ipad what's happening here and then sometimes you got the computer and then your phone in front of it you've got three screens triple screening you've got a problem if that's happening absolutely and i do agree with you that our our parents generation seems a little less apt to deal with it because they've they've only had cell phones for you know everyone's only had a smartphone for at most like eight years basically so it's we're all kind of developing the uh antibodies to resist it i guess so it's tough i mean i think our generation is kind of the perfect ones to deal with it because we've had a childhood without the internet but then now we kind of can cope with it a little better like we can pick up new technologies very easily whereas like even my sister's age they're um like five years younger than me they've never grown up without the internet so it's a constantly changing digital world i guess yeah all i had when i was probably eight or nine was the snake game on my parents nokia brick phone totally that was yeah. the extent of my is an awesome game it was kept me fun. entertained for hours i yep. would get a long snake yep <laughs> anyway um how do you think this applies to people who are out living in rvs and traveling because you know we're in a national park right now it's beautiful I don't know if you can hear, but we're next to a stream right now and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But how do, how do you think this can apply to people who are out just, you know, living on the road and trying to experience? And is the whole goal to just live in the moment? And did you have an experience in your life where you were just looking around getting kind of fed up with this? Or mm-hmm. why try to tackle this? Totally. So I, I really built the app for myself. I never really intended to launch it as a, a public product. I uh, was just playing around with it. Like my wife and I, my fiance at the time, we moved in together. And then for the first like couple weeks, it was like, you know, we we're cooking dinner together and, you know, drinking wine on the porch and all that stuff. But then we kind of got into our old habits and, you know, we're sitting on the couch together in the evening after work and just on our phones like too much. Like I was on my phone for two or three hours a day and my wife was, you know, a little bit more than that. Um, So this really is just an app to guilt Mandy into hanging out with you. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I literally installed it on her phone and did not tell her about it. And then she hit her daily limit that I just set it, I don't know, three hours. And it was like this big thunder crashing and scared <laughs> the crap out of her. And it, it's, it's been like a, an evolving subject for us, even, you know, how much we're on our phones. We're, we're kind of, we're more conscious about it now. We talk about it 
like, oh, we're going to zone out our phones for 20 minutes instead of just sort of doing it without thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so I definitely built it for myself and then a couple friends wanted it. And then I said I got it approved um, by Apple, put it out, and it's it's seemed to hit a nerve in the market, at least. It seems like it's a problem a lot of people have. I see a couple comments from people on some of the articles that you've been picked up by. And I know that you were saying that you didn't reach out to any of these outlets. It just kind of mm-hmm. hit a nerve and yeah. kind of spread like wildfire with how many people are downloading it. It's like four mm-hmm. or 5,000 people a day. Yeah. And some people are like, well, if you need an app to you know control your time, then obviously you're there's a problem here. But the thing is, totally. I think that's a terrible response because mm-hmm. so many people do have a problem with this. Yeah. And it's the majority of our culture, even people that don't think they have a problem, download the Moment app and you basically see that, hey, I picked up my phone 75, 100 times yeah. today. You don't even realize how many just times click over, check Definitely. some email, you know, refresh the page, look at Facebook and then jump back off. It's just it's almost like an autopilot thing. Definitely. So it's that's something I've heard a lot with customers. So the BuzzFeed video like illustrated it pretty well, but people are really bad at estimating how much time they're on their phone, which is where a tool like Moment comes in handy because it'll actually give you an exact number like two hours and 34 minutes, which is the average. And it's over how many users? All of them. Uh, It's like two and a half million. I think those aren't active users, but it's two and a half million users. Yeah. Yeah, It's I mean, a lot of people. And if you're I guess it's sort of a biased sample if you're downloading an app to track how much you're on your phone. But it's a ever evolving subject for me. Absolutely. So if somebody is trying to go out and build iPhone applications Mm -hmm. once it gets started in this, I know you were kind of a nerd before you got started. You've been totally. doing the development stuff for a while. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many free programs out there for people to just go and learn, mm-hmm. you know, Ruby on Rails oh, or, absolutely. you know, front end design or whatever. I have some friends who started a company in Austin and it, I'm Maker Square is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And so you basically yeah. it's a six week immersive program. Yeah, They'll teach you great. how to code and it's like ten grand. It's super expensive, but you got to imagine Worth going it, to college. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you can immediately cash in on those skills. It's not Absolutely. like you go to school and somebody's like, hey, we don't need programmers. Right? Yeah, there's too many. It's like, that's not a thing. That so definitely not the problem. I mean, how long is it feasible to go and learn programming and development and be able to monetize those skills? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how long did it take you? Sure. So I started when I was 15. Um, I was, uh, you know, a nerd in high school and took a couple of computer programming classes and got hooked um, and then just started educating myself on it, just reading books. And today, even if you were starting today, there's so many great resources. The one you mentioned, Treehouse is a good educational like coding uh, tool and then Code School as well. And if you honest or one of those like intensive courses, there's one in Chicago for like kind of like a front end web design, UI design part two, which is cool. If you're making your own apps, I mean, you can start that, you know, within a couple weeks of just messing around with one of these tutorial sites. And most of the tutorials will like take you through your first app. It's like we're going to build a weather app as an example and go from there. But if you play around with apps and maybe put one out, even if that app doesn't do well, it's a perfect portfolio piece to start programming for other people, like a, a freelance basis, which was most of my career, honestly. And how did you get started in freelance? Because I think people always want to know, oh, I think there's a guy revving his engine right now. Anyway. <laughs> engine break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you go about getting your first client? Because I feel like that's always the hardest one, you know, if you can even think back that far. Definitely. So my first client, it was... I think I just emailed him. It was just a building a website for someone, like a sort of an informational website. And then it just sort of went from there. But there's lots of job boards. I think 
some of the tools I mentioned, like Code School and Tree uh, Treehouse, they'll they have like job boards, and you can you know post what you've done, and then people can hire you sort of based on the mm-hmm. skill level you have. And even I've gotten big gigs off of Craigslist. You know, it, there's a lot of muck to wade through on Craigslist if you're in like the computer and design section, but it's definitely there. And there's a lot of sort of remote work programming or design job boards. You just have to Google it. Most, even like Monster and stuff, they have that kind of thing, like yeah. on a contract basis. I think what you did seems like a really great path. Basically started out learning the skill, worked mm-hmm. on it, got paid to build things for yeah, other exactly. people, other yeah. websites. And in that time have some free time to start building out your own apps Mm -hmm. takes you basically 10 tries and then you you strike a chord with people with moment Mm -hmm. and then you can keep scaling off and building on that yep definitely so i want to know going kind of deep how do you approach your work and i know that sounds like a big question but in 20 years what do you want people to think of when they think of kevin halesh uh i mean (laughs) it's a great question um I mean, I think I, I, I do take my business and stuff and my apps and whatever I'm working on seriously, but I try not to put too much of my, like, my own, like, self-worth into that because it, you know, moments income and it, it goes up and down and I can't invest myself too much in it. So I've been trying to not even take a step back from it, but just not take myself so seriously. Like, focus on other things, like eating well, spending time with my wife, like quality time, exercising, that sort of thing. But as far as Moment and the other apps, I, I just want most mostly for people to, like, think twice about the new technology in their lives. Because, you know, cell phones are one thing, but it's still you're staring at a like a glass block in your phone fo- in your hand basically mm-hmm. you know who knows what will come out in the next like five or ten years you know virtual reality like there's some crazy technology in the works now that could become even more immersive and uh it's like with more power becomes more responsibility <laughs> exactly yeah and it's like i kind of want to be the one not opposing these technologies like a like a luddite like go live in the woods like i mean we're sitting in the woods <laughs> now but you know we're on a laptop and yeah. a microphone but not super opposed to it but just thinking twice like yeah these things are great smartphones are great but you know they become not so great after a certain amount of time yeah. And I kind of want to be the one just like saying, hey, should we be doing this stuff as much as we are? Like as much as it feels good to use your cell phone, like, you know, maybe we're missing something by using our cell phone, too. Yeah. There's a really great commercial or online mm-hmm. video that got put out. And I may have even saw that on your website as well, where it's basically like a guy was on his phone and his kids playing and walking for the first totally, time yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And it just is so powerful because it's so true that, mm-hmm. you know, like, what are you missing out on whenever... Exactly. Yeah. We, uh, last winter, we took a trip around the country and we were in Portland and we were at Trillium Lake, I think it's called. It's like this pristine mountain lake with surrounded by pine trees and this, uh, I forget the mountain name, uh, but it's a huge snow capped mountain. And, you know, everyone was basically taking selfies in front of it. And then the worst case was we saw like a mom and her two kids were like playing in the water, like in the shallow part, but she was just staring at her phone, like, in front of literally this, probably one of the most beautiful scenes, like, it, ever. Like, your kid's playing in this, you know, pristine sort of scene, and it was just sort of like, what are we doing? And you, I think you even told me that she yelled at them. It was like, hey, pose so I can post an Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, that stuff's great. And, you know, my wife's a photographer, so I'm always sort of asking her to put down her camera every once in a while. Because we don't need to capture everything, but... 
it's a it's a it's a balance for sure i know that when we go to places like yellowstone or the grand Mm -hmm. canyon you know i'll by all means take some photos yeah then i'll intentionally put my phone in my pocket yeah and then just take a few minutes and just look Mm -hmm. and just you know not feel tempted to snapchat or instagram like while i'm there and and most of the time, usually with Instagram, I'll try to post it later, Yeah, that's you know, great. like later in the evening or the next day, but not while you're in that moment. Exactly. And it's the, the photography thing is interesting, you know, especially for people that are traveling constantly, at least my first impulse and especially Mandy's first impulse is to see something amazing, take a picture of it. But I've been trying to do what you said, like take a deep breath, like, uh, sounds like so hippie but like <laughs> living in an rv man <laughs> i know take it all in and it's like okay i've seen it i've experienced now i can take a picture of it and then you know post it to instagram or even remember it later yeah but it's not my first impulse is to capture it because then it's sort of like you're seeing it but seeing it through a screen and yeah. it's not quite the same and how often do you ever go back and actually look at photos right, realistically exactly. You know, exactly. even looking back on Hourly America and Alyssa and I going to all these states and these cool places, very, very rarely will I actually sit down and just look at those photos. And mm-hmm. sometimes I do just to have like good feelings and mm-hmm. remember the good times, but not not a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, and it's it's different with kids, too. Like if you want to capture your kids first everything i'm sure we don't have kids but we do it with our pets we (laughs) we take so many pictures of our pets but it's like they're doing something cute i have to take a picture of it like right now like if your kid was taking his first steps your instinct at least probably nowadays is going to be to get it on video but then you sort of miss that moment you miss that experience and you know if you take a picture or video of your kids like second steps no one's going to notice and you're going to look you're going to look back and say oh these were his first steps but you were still there for the actual first steps Does that right. make sense there Absolutely. mentally it's weird because you know like when people are about to die not to be very <laughs> dramatic but in your life flashes before you is it going to be those memories yeah. that you that people have always had or is it going to be pictures so not really it's like you didn't really live in the moment yeah yeah i mean it's a a tough question i think the answer is somewhere in the middle it's not like one or the other i'm probably guilty of taking too few pictures and i wish i like some of the concerts i've been to i'm a like a big music (laughs) guitar fan and i'll just get so enthralled at the concert and just totally be staring at the guitarist and not take any photos or video and then it's like great for a couple days and it's like man i kind of wish i had a little bit of video just to relive it so it's it's somewhere that that balance is somewhere in the middle so how do you something that i feel like i've been focusing a lot on when it comes to looking at trying to build a business on the road and things that i've done even with my blog and this podcast is trying to just identify needs because I feel mm-hmm. like there's so much time. You and I were talking about how we love this talk by a guy named Derek Sivers from mm-hmm. last year at World Domination Summit. We really like his book. Uh, what is it? Anything You Anything Want? Anything You Want, I think it's called. Yeah, and he Derek built a really cool company and just has really mm-hmm. cool philosophy and outlook on life. But he talked about something in there that really hit home for me, which was just this idea. Gosh, I totally just blanked on what I was going to say. What were we talking about? I- uh, it was about Derek Sivers, and I I have something. I, I just watched his... his oh, it's, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I go just ahead. watched his um his talk, and it, it resonated with me. He said, you know, he was trying for like 10 years or something to become a musician, and it was just like an uphill battle. Like, he was slogging the whole way, and it just wasn't really going his way. He was becoming modestly successful, but just never... It never felt easy, and that's sort of how I felt with, you know, the 10 apps or sites that I launched before moment, it was always like me pushing like cold emailing people trying to build it. And then 
you know, a year later realizing that, hey, maybe there's not a need for this. But Moment's been the opposite of that. Like I put it out there and it was just, I felt like I've been rolling downhill. Like it's easy. It's a, uh, it's something people need, I think. So it's, it's been pretty easy for me. And uh, for Derek Sivers, it was uh, CD Baby. You know, it was kind of a side project and then it turned into, I think he sold it for 22 million bucks to Amazon and it was, it just sort of grew, you know, beyond what he had ever planned. So he wasn't planning to build a business. It just sort of happened and it was sort of a downhill. Because he had a pain point, right? Had, yeah, there was exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was solving a problem that he had and then his friends had the problem and then it grew into a pretty big company. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm glad yeah, that, that my brain <laughs> fart, you picked it up. You picked up my slack. That's what happens. We hung out for a couple of days. Yeah, you get exactly. It. But yeah, I, I love that. I mean, so many people, and the other thing that he said was so many people when they're trying to build a business or solve a need for somebody, they focus more on their solution that they've came up with in their mind to be true instead of focusing on the problem. Right. Because if you keep focusing on the problem and something doesn't work, you'll try something else. But if you're only focusing on your, your solution, then you're attached to it. And so even if it's not working, it just, it doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole, like, I have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Like, mm. how can we, you know, make my solution solve the problem instead of tweaking or pivoting your idea to solve the problem? Focus more on, like, the, the end result, less about your product and its features or whatever you're working on, and more about how it affects the the person's life. How does it change the customer? So moment, it's like, you know, maybe makes them think twice about picking up their phone if they're hanging out with friends. That's, you know, my ultimate goal with the app. And it has nothing to do with features or limits or you know, notifications or anything like that. It's all about the end result for the, the customer, making them feel more powerful or whatever your goal is. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have been on the road now for a little while. What do your days look like right now while you're traveling and how much work are you spending with the moment and your other apps and things like that? Mm -hmm. Sure. So uh, we, I, I should say I'm, I'm a little guilty of working too much. We usually travel around. Uh, we try to stay a week in each place. We're going to be in our hometown of Pittsburgh for six months for Mandy's wedding season. It's kind of concentrated in those six months, um, in the summer months. So we'll be slowing down a lot there. But um, a typical days, you know, we wake up, you know, whenever the sun rises-ish, um, 7, 7.30, 8, depending on where we are. And we've been doing like slow mornings lately. So it's mostly me. Like I, I want to jump straight into email and answer emails and just get into work. But we've been making coffee, making breakfast, and then like sitting outside if it's warm enough and just trying not to jump straight into work. So maybe around nine o'clock, we jump into work, work pretty solidly, take a break for lunch, and then try to hang up our work at like four or five and then take the dogs for a walk or something. And that's a typical day. Usually it's a little more work than that, like maybe until five or six and then taking a couple days off, you know, for our weekend, which might not be Saturday and Sunday. It might be Tuesday or Thursday. So we can kind of explore the town without anyone else there. Yeah. Um, but that that's a pretty typical day. And you guys are actually the youngest travelers we've met on the road. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're older than you. So you're the youngest. But yeah, I guess you can't meet yourself. But I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, you, it's nice to hang out with people our age. Like we're about the same age. We're like 26, you're 25, you and Alyssa are 25. So it's great to hang out with people that are the same age and also just the same interests. 
technology, you know, building a business, you know, traveling around. It's it's really interesting. It's yeah. our first time really meeting a, a couple our age, and it's really cool. Yeah, and if you've been listening to the last few episodes, these are the people I was talking about that we were hanging out with. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so funny, because we, we were traveling, like, we were headed back east, we were out west, and uh, while we're driving, we're listening to your podcast, and it's like, oh, I'm so excited to meet these people in the hot springs, and it's like, that's us! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, right now, you don't have any employees, Correct. And you've kind of made been intentional on not creating a business that, you know, you have people looking down and breathing down your neck. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I, I looked at when we were in Austin and I was surrounded by all these technology startups and Y Incubator and Capital Factory right. and all these totally. places in Austin and all these guys and friends are building companies. And I'm just looking and they're all venture backed and there's totally nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at that and the thing that intrigued me most about entrepreneurship and building your own business was this idea that you could create your own days and you there was this level of autonomy and you were the person that was backing this. Mm-hmm. It, you weren't working for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And it look, I looked at that and I was like, that's not the model that, that most intrigued me about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting that you've been super intentional about that mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, I could try to get a billion users, mm-hmm. but I'd rather have this freedom and, and not mm-hmm. have to dive into that. So I just think that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's freedom is like the word I used to describe it, like freedom to work on what I want to work on and also freedom to, you know, travel around and make my own days and slow down in the mornings. Like I don't have a boss, whether that's the, the form of like a, a VC um, or an investor or a, a typical like nine to five job. I, I've been there and it's it's OK, you know, if you're if you're working with people you like. But for me, it's the freedom to basically work on what I want to work on. And sometimes that's not work work. It's, you know, exercising or eating better, that sort yeah. of thing, or even just exploring uh, a town we're in. Yeah, um, it seems like a lot of the people I've talked with have started a service-based business. And you've even yeah, done totally. client work while you're on oh, the road. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you guys right now are in, y'all are currently climbing out of student debt like Alyssa yes. and I. And I think that's pretty much something that every kid right now who is in their 20s can relate mm-hmm. to at some point, unless you're fortunate enough to not have student debt, which mm-hmm. would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But how have you guys been intentional on making decisions that will help you guys get out of debt? while you're traveling that's a balance we're still figuring out we've been on the road for two and a half months living in our fifth wheel for maybe three and a half months and it you know we've been boondocking for the past month and that's helped save us 600 bucks or so worth of rv park fees or campground fees and it we we did move into a fifth wheel partly to travel around so we weren't being super intense about paying off our debt like we're we're spending you know 400 bucks a month on diesel just driving around yeah we all went to the hot Oh, exactly. Hot tub things yesterday and got in the water. Exactly. Took the first good shower in a long time. (laughs) Worth it. Yes. Oh, worth every penny. Um, And had the soft pretzels with the beer. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Yeah. I I had a beer that was $8 and I haven't had uh, an expensive beer. Like that's that's what we're trying to cut it out. Like buying alcohol or even like appetizers at a restaurant, like before the meal. Like let's just go out, have a good meal, but not spend too much like we're not going out for steak dinner so we're we're trying to save money and and just get our way out of debt 
Yeah. yeah. And moving into a, a fifth wheel was a good way for us to control our expenses too. Like we can be very, we can be as limited or not as limited as we want. And we're still trying to find that balance between traveling around and spending money on like experiences like hot tub or restaurants. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're big food people. So we want to go to every restaurant, but it would be much more relaxing to go to a restaurant if we're debt free. We can have that extra couple hundred bucks yeah. a month to spend on restaurants. But right now we're focused on putting that towards our debt. Yeah, there's this fine line between you show up in a new city and you want to go experience what the city has to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in this little weird town in Hot Springs, Arkansas, yeah. and we want to go out and grab a drink and mm-hmm. get some fajita meat and things like that. Absolutely. But it's also you want to long term wise be able to be smart and diligent mm-hmm. enough to be out of debt and not live in debt. Definitely. And it comes back to freedom. Like if you're debt free and you're making a, a decent income, you know, you can if you're living in an RV, traveling around, you can make, you know, $3,000 go pretty far, even if you had a family. So that's, that's kind of where we want to get to. And right now we're not quite there because our, uh, you know, a big part of our monthly bills are debt payments. And then anything on top of that is just trying to pay off our debt or or get that principal down. And it'll be probably a couple year process for us, but at least a couple years, ideally, but it's a point we want to get to. Yeah. Do you think that there is a kind of fear that people could have about this lifestyle and jumping into it in your 20s? Like, you know, if they aren't Kevin Halesh mm-hmm. and haven't started a successful app company or even your wife, Mandy, who has a really awesome photography mm-hmm. company, if they're just getting started and say, hey, you know, what, I'm going to try to get a business started and step out on my own. But I'm in my 20s and I'm still kind of figuring it out. Maybe I'm doing freelance work or whatever. There might inherently be this fear that says, hey, what happens if I fail? Mm-hmm. You know, will I take a hit in my career? Will I look bad? Did you have any of those notions? Um, Yeah, it, it's definitely still there. I mean, it's I, I sort of thought that way early on in my freelance career. So I, I was like a freelance developer for 10 or 11 years or something like that. And, you know, every bit of experience, whether the project went well or didn't go well or you know, that I got fired or something that's happened a couple times. It's been a learning experience, but then it's something I can show off to the next client as well. So if you're if you're trying to freelance, whatever you're doing, development or writing, everything you do and get paid for it builds your experience and builds your portfolio, I guess. So even if the product doesn't go so well, or it doesn't make enough money, like you can use that as a stepping stone to get that next level of client, maybe a more consistent gig, maybe higher paying gig. I mean, and you if you look at the sort of worst case scenario, you know, you sort of have to settle down and get a nine to five job, maybe and it's still not that bad. You're if you're saying we're staying at a, a campground in Pittsburgh for six months, and that's we're not settling down permanently, we want to get on the road full time like all year round. But it's it's a good sort of half step for us. Yeah, you already may have answered this question. And this will be my last question. Then we'll jump sure. into a couple a little Q&A at the end. But what does success in this lifestyle look like for you? It's yeah, it's it's basically the, the freedom I talked about earlier, being able to for Mandy and I to work on what we want to work on, you know, being like being our own boss. That's like a cliche thing. But it's like, I can make my apps, whatever I want to make them. Like I can make them have an opinion that might not be popular. Like, hey, you're on your phone too much. Download my app onto your phone. Yeah. It's it's sort of a weird pitch, but I can make it that way. Yeah, it's it's like you want to have something opinionated, and if you are working on someone else's app, they might not they might want to play it more safe. Like every client I've had is kind of like, oh, let's just 
you know, sort of make a good product and play it safe. But with Moment, I've tried to have a little bit of an attitude yeah. to it. Not in a, like a rude way, but just opinionated. And that sort of freedom to me is being able to design and write an interface the way I want to do it and not having that extra approval cycle I have to go through for something. Yeah. And then the, the freedom part is also being debt free. Mandy and I are working our way there and that would be just amazing. Yeah. I love I love what you said about, you know, basically being able to have opinion in the things mm-hmm. that you build. You can be afraid to piss people off a little bit. You know, they exactly, should be like yeah. they come to Kevin's website and they look at his apps and they're either for you or against you because mm-hmm. you're on one side of the road. People use their phone too much. Mm-hmm. Here's an app that can help them do less. Yeah. You're not trying to paint this pretty middle ground picture and please everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the the products, you know, if you're trying to make a product or a service, it's the ones that are in the middle that sort of, you know, you could probably make a decent income at it, but it's never going to, you know, take off. You sort of need to have an opinion. And sure, you're going to like piss off a lot of people, you know, like the the commenters you brought up. It was like, I don't need a nap for this, blah, blah, blah. I don't use my smartphone too much. It, it, it's the ones that, yeah, I, I just think you should take one road or the other, not not try to straddle. Yeah. you know, the middle. Well, I, I want to wrap up and do a quick Q&A. So sure. you guys, uh, what do y'all do for internet on the road? We use our uh, iPhones through Verizon as a like personal hotspot. That was part of our expense. We figured moving into the fifth wheel, it's like, yeah, we're getting rid of our rent, but our Verizon bill is going to go through the roof. Yeah. And you- right now we're paying, I think like 250 bucks a month or 220 bucks a month through Verizon. And that's a couple iPhones and 25 gigs of data. So it's not cheap, but it allows us to work on the road and work from wherever we want to. And Verizon's been great for us. You know, we've been on, in the middle of nowhere and, you know, gotten LTE for the most part. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to the last episode with Technomad yeah, yet, exactly. we, go, we go really in-depth into internet on the road, and I highly suggest you go take a listen yep. to that. Yep. As soon as I heard that interview, I went on their RV mobile internet site and subscribed. I was like, we need this. You hear that, Shereen, Chris? We should be working out some type of commission. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Uh, so what, do you guys have health insurance right now? We do. Yes. So I just turned 26 or well, not just in, in April. And then we got our plan through the marketplace, healthcare.gov. And then, um, it transitioned out of that, but we still go through a, um, it's Highmark, Blue Cross, uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield and PA. Um, and they have pretty good nationwide coverage. Um, so that's what we do. So we do have health insurance. Okay. It's a pretty... It's not catastrophic, but it's like a bronze level. It's kind of like we don't really need it, but, you know, for... So you have to have it. Yeah, exactly. We have to have it. And for, I think we pay about 310 bucks a month. And it's just a good peace of mind to have emergency care, yeah. you know. Fingers crossed it never happens, but it's an expense I'd rather not have, but kind of needs it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Why did you guys decide to go with a fifth wheel? Mostly... So two things. We wanted something that was big enough for Mandy and I and our pets. So we have four pets, two dogs and two cats. So we were in a pop-up camper with two dogs traveling around last winter. And that was a little cozy. So we just wanted something a little bigger. And then Mandy's grandmother actually in her 60s, I think, traveled around the country for five or six years with her husband and they had a fifth wheel. I think it's actually kind of the same model we have. Mm. It was like the the same layout, I mean, and they loved it. It, Fifth wheels, they just, they tow nicely. They're easy to hitch. They're easy to back up. You know, we have a, like a 30 foot fifth wheel. I think technically it's like a 28. They call it 28, but it's like 30 feet. 
And it's way easier to back up than our pop-up camper, mm. just the length of the trailer. We could get a lot of bang for our bucks. We found a pretty old fifth wheel, paid six grand for it, put a couple grand into it, fixing it up, painting it, making it look nice. And it was a good next step for us. I mean, ultimately, I, I love your your Class A. It's, it's beautiful and gorgeous and has a lot of luxuries, which is nice. But we just wanted something to... I can, sort of dip our toes in we knew we'd like the lifestyle but it was it was a good value for our money yeah absolutely and the last question and this isn't a loaded question but what apps do you use the most on the road great question i mean google maps for sure we're blind without it basically yeah, going to new towns constantly on the road we use <laughs> sheree and chris's coverage app every time we're checking out a, a boondocking spot we open that to see if we'll have internet there you know before we get there before we tow our fifth wheel there and then some of the campground uh review sites help us a lot i guess they're not apps but compendium and those types of apps to find boondocking spots and, and rv parks and everything that's awesome well, thanks so much for walking next door to hang out in my <laughs> RV and do this interview, man. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. It was really great. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been an awesome first 10 episodes. The podcast has been received so well from people who are RVers and who aren't RVers but are just interested in building up a remote income. And I just want to take a moment and thank you for sending me emails and I've got some Instagram messages and uh, tweets and just from strangers saying they've really been enjoying the podcast. And I just want to say that that means so much to me. If you know anything about the five love languages, uh, Gary Chapman, if you've ever heard of that book, uh, I'm, I rank pretty high on the words of affirmation and not necessarily approval, but you know, a nice word has always been well received in my world. So I just want to say thank you guys who have reached out to me and just said that the podcast has been an encouragement for you. It really, really means a lot to me. And if you want to download Kevin's app, head on over to the app store and just type in moment. It's free to download and I highly recommend it. It's really helped me be intentional on how much I use my phone and trying to live more in the moment. Also to check out the show notes from today's episode, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 10. That's episode spelled out and then the number 10. And you guys are amazing. Thank you again so much for being here. And I mentioned this on the last episode, but since I'm on number 10, I feel like I should maybe mention it again. I plan on giving the RV Entrepreneur Podcast a runway of 50 different episodes. This whole thing is a big experiment for me. And as much as I've been enjoying sitting down to interview people and getting these different insights and hearing how much it's been helpful, I also just want to make sure that it's valuable in the long term, both for my own time, but for everybody else as well. And so I look at these first 50 episodes as really an experiment. And if I keep growing the audience of listeners like you guys, and I keep hearing more and more great feedback about how this podcast has been helping people figure out and come up with ideas for how they can start building income while they're traveling, then I will definitely be more than happy to continue this podcast you know, for the next year and years to come. So anyway, thanks again so much for being here, and I'll see you guys on the next episode.